If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. This morning I'd like to talk about righteousness. Righteousness. How do we live a holy and righteous life in this sin-dark world? How do we do it? Is it possible? Righteousness. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So if you're sitting here today and you're a born-again believer, you're following Jesus Christ, you can do it. You can live a holy and righteous life in this dark, dying world. Because you're a new creation. The old things have passed away. But how come throughout the week sometimes those old things Raise the ugly head. We yell at our wives, or you yell at your spouse. You, you scream at the kids. You kick your own dog. If you got a dog, or you kick your own cat, if you have a cat. Why do we sometimes revert back to our old ways? And it's because we live in this world that has such an influence on us sometimes. But we as believers, we need to influence the world, not the world influence us. And let me just say this right off the bat. If you are struggling with your walk with the Lord, and sometimes you revert back, you yell at your wife, you scream at your kids, you kick your own dog. We're all in the same boat. We all come short of the glory of God. We all, we all lose our temper. We all get upset. We all sometimes do the wrong thing. But I'm here to say when that happens in your life, what you need to do, you need to stand up, ask God to forgive you, and you need to move on with Him. Don't give up. For it is possible to live a righteous and holy life. And what does the Lord require of us? It says in In Micah chapter 6, verse 8, it says, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. I've been saved a long time now, because I'm old. But I can say this, sometimes I mess up, sometimes I come short, but I know one thing about our Lord Jesus Christ, he always forgives me, he always puts me back on my feet, he always says, it's okay Dave, just keep on moving on, you can can do that. Because as I read his word, I read uh, one of my relatives, his name was King David, 
I'm related. You probably didn't know that, but we're related. Me and King David were related. I'm named after him. And when you look at his life, man, you talk about somebody really messing up. He really messed up. Man, he killed a bear. He killed a lion. He killed Goliath. He became a great and mighty leader. But then he fell into sin. But the good thing, his life didn't end that way. God forgave him and he moved on with his life. And as we sit here today, my, my goal today is to encourage you. You keep walking with the Lord. It says to walk humbly with him. You strive with God. You stay close to God. Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, or Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. Matthew chapter 5. Let's read a little bit how we should live. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be sown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who persecute you because of righteousness for my sake. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil about you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be trampled underfoot. Jesus also said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a lampstand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So Jesus is telling us to do a few things here. He's telling us to be merciful when no one shows us any mercy. He tells us to have a pure heart, a heart that's after God. He tells us to be a peacemaker when people want to do war all around us. He tells us to do hunger and thirst for righteousness. For Jesus knows that if we are going to change this world, we have to become salt And we have to become light. And it's possible to change this world through your walk. You influence people all around you that I may never see. And your job, 
Your calling is to influence them for good, not evil. To show them the way, to live the life, to walk the walk. Not just talk it, but to walk it every day of your life. But what happens, a lot of times we pursue happiness. What makes me happy, God? That's what I want to do. I want that job. I want that raise. I want my kids to get straight A's. That's a real miracle right there, I can tell you. But we're not supposed to pursue happiness. We're supposed to pursue God. To look and go after Him. To love Him with all our hearts. Jesus said this, Be holy as I am holy. We need to learn how to live this Christian life so we can influence others. The problem in a lot of churches is that we live like the devil from Monday through Saturday, and then we come and put our Christian face on. And God wants us to live like him every day of the week. When I walk out those doors, I don't just take off my Christianity I put on his righteousness so I can make a difference. For he says, I want you to be salt. I want you to be light. I want you to make a difference in this world because this world needs me. And the only Bible they will ever read sometimes is you. How you react, what you say, where, where you go, what you do, how you dress, all those things. Now what happens sometimes, we as men or as churches, we get off track. We think that the way it should be is we, we, we follow a set of rules, and that shows how Christian I am. Following a bunch of rules will never show the world how, how much you love Jesus. When I first became an Assembly of God member way back in the day, before most of you were born, you had to sign a membership card. Remember those days? I won't go to the dance hall. The Bible says you should be dancing. Don't go to the movies. What about the Jesus films? And they had a list of things that you should, shouldn't do. And if you did those things, you couldn't be a member. It was man's way of trying to make us righteous, but that will never make us righteous. Jesus Christ makes us righteous. See, because he doesn't look on the outside. He looks at our heart. There's a group of Christians called the Amish. Great people. They love God. But believe me, I'm not coming to church on a horse and buggy. I'm going to come on in a, I'm a bar, a Corvette. And I know someone who has one. I'm going to drive his Corvette. So next week, I'm coming to your house. You don't know that, Billy. I'm going to drive your Corvette. Thank you for letting me borrow that. I appreciate that, brother. To show the world that, God, how how blessed I am. So how do we live a righteous 
and a holy life. I want you to do three things. There's a lot more than that, but I'm going to give you three because that's all you can handle. I know my congregation. Three points. Pastor Tim does ten, I do three. Because I know most of you forget it when we get home. So you've got to remember these three points. Because I know that 90% of what I preach, you forget. So that I'm going to give you 10% today, so remember it. If you're going to live a holy and righteous life, the first thing you have to do is you've got to love God. That's where it starts. It says in Matthew 22, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then God throws in a monkey wrench. He said, and then love your neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. And let me just say this. It is impossible to love your neighbors without the love of God in your heart. So if you're going to be righteous, you're going to be holy before God, you're going to make a difference in the world, when people see you walk down the road, they're going to say, yeah, that's one of those crazy Christians. I know him. That's what I want to be known as, a crazy, holy roller Christian. Because I want to make sure the world knows who I follow, who I serve. Because one day, They'll need Jesus. They will need Jesus. And you know who they'll run to? They'll run to you and me, for we have the answer. Years ago, we had a Muslim family living right next door to us. Their little girl got sick. Where did they run to? Not to the imam, not to the mosque. They ran to us to pray. For they knew that our God, he's a healer. Our God is the God. So you make a difference in this world. But it all has to stem first on loving God. I remember 49 years ago, I was married about 12 hours. Three o'clock in the morning, my wife gives me a little nudge. I'm thirsty. <laughs> well, you know, they have these, now the back of, this is back in the days when they had motor hotels, you know. There was no stands out there. There was no ice and all that stuff. You had two levels. We were on the second level. I'm thirsty. And I'm thinking in my, my mind, you know, they have these great cups. They're wrapped in Paper, no one's ever put their lips on there. You could go into the bathroom and get a cup of cold water. It would be so refreshing. I want a Coke. I don't have a Coke. I didn't bring any soft drinks. I want a Coke. So I, what did I do? I got up, got dressed, went down the stairs, in the snow, it was snowing, it was freezing. Did I mention it was snowing? It was snowing and freezing. I had to walk about here to the 7-Eleven to get her a Coke. That's love. That's love. 
I wish they had Uber Eats back in those days. I'd have called them. But they didn't. I had to physically go and get that Coke. I don't even like Cokes. I don't drink them. I don't care for them. But that's what she wanted. And because I love her, I am willing to do that. And you have to love Jesus a lot more than that. You've got to say, Jesus is just you and me. Lord, if you tell me to go to Guatemala tomorrow, Lord, I'll get on the plane and I will go. If you tell me to get on the plane and go to Zimbabwe, Lord, I will go. Lord, if you tell me to get up in the morning and begin to open my Bible and read my Bible like I'm supposed to, Lord, I am going to do that. And he's telling you to do that every morning, to read the Word, to pray every day. You don't have to hear God's voice for those. But see, what love compels me to follow after God. For it says in 1 John chapter 4, we love because Jesus first loved us. That's how I love. Jesus showed me how to love my wife unconditionally. And we'll be married 50 years. Oh my gosh, 50 years, that's old. 50 years in February. And you know what? If she asked me to give her a Coke i got to think about it first. But, <laughs> but I would probably go out and get her a Coke. Not in the snow, though, because I could catch a cold and get sick. But love. So if we're going to live a righteous and holy life, we've got to fall in love with Jesus every day. He's got to be the most important person in your life. Because when you love someone, you don't want to hurt them. You want to follow what they say. Do you know why I wear a suit? Curtis, you look pretty good today, brother. Let me just say that. You look sharp. Not as sharp as me, but you look okay. <laughs> you tried. You're, you're, you're getting there. You know why I wear a suit? Because my wife loves me in suits. Do I like suits? Do I like ties? No. <laughs> I hate ties. I hate, I hate suits. You sweat up here. You guys are down there where the AC is. I'm up here on the lights. It's hot up here. But see, I do it because I want to please her. Jesus, I want to please you, Jesus. And as you get that in your mindset, Lord, I want to please you no matter what you ask me to do. Because it also says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, it says, Whoever claims to love God, yet hates his brother or his sister, is a liar. Whoever does not love their brothers and sisters whom they have seen cannot, cannot love God. What the Word of God is saying, we have to love everyone in this church. And believe me, it's hard sometimes. Right, Denise? It's hard. Jesus loved the Puerto Ricans. He does, man. I'm telling you, he does. And when we get to heaven, we'll probably all be speaking Spanish. So who knows? We have to love each other. 
That's the great thing about a church. No matter what color you are, whether you're black or white, Hispanic, Asian, whatever, we love each other unconditionally because we don't look on the outside. We look at the inside. I just lost a good friend of mine about a week ago, Brother Dave Bryant. Great guy, loved the Lord. And he told me years ago, he was mugged by these three black guys at there in Beacon Mall. They beat him up, took his groceries, took his wallet. And he said a few days later, he's out on a basketball court all by himself, just shooting baskets. And all of a sudden, these two cars pull up. And about 10 black guys get out of the car. He said his heart started to beat. And they said, do you mind if we play basketball with you? We don't have a basketball. Do you mind playing with us? And he said, sure, let's play together. And then they said, well, before we pray, before we play, we always pray. So he said, we gra I grabbed those hands, and I realized there's bad people, and there's good people, no matter what color they are, no matter where they live, and we can't put people in the box. We have to love everyone. And he realized right there that he was going to judge those guys at first. And he was afraid of them. But then he realized that they love Jesus just like he does. He said, then all the fear left him. And from then on, he never was fearful of anybody. He walked through any neighborhood. He didn't care. Loving God is our first step on this righteous journey that we have to take. What's the second thing that we have to do if we're really going to be righteous and holy before the Lord? It says we have to fear the Lord. What? We have to fear Him? We're not talk I'm not talking about a fear that we're terrified of God. I'm talking about a holy, reverent fear that God holds your hand, or holds your life in His hand. Every breath that you take Every moment that you're awake, he holds your life in his hand. And when you think about that, I have a fear and an awesome God. For it says in his word, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and his instruction. Why is the world so corrupt? Why is the world so messed up? It's because they don't have any fear of God. And what happens sometimes to me and you, we don't fear God. We want to do our own thing. We want to say what we want to say. We want to let people know what I believe. We have an attitude sometimes. But as we begin to fear God, we realize that He is the beginning of wisdom. He's the one that shows us how to live. He's the one that shows us what we should say and where we should go and what we should do. And when you begin to fear God, have that holy reverence for Him, it's the beginning of wisdom. It shows you how to live. shows you what to say. Because what was the first scripture that we read? 
old things, old things have passed away, become, all things become new. So examine your life. If you're the same after you got saved, before you were saved, you need to check out what's going on with your life. You need to try a little bit harder. You've got to ask God to help you. Because he makes you a new creation. He starts all over. He shows you what to say and how to say it and what to do and where to go. In Psalm 111.10, it says, Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and all who follow his precepts have a good understanding. You want to get smart? Begin the fear of the Lord. Begin to realize he holds your life in his hands. Also, it says in Exodus 20.20, it says, fearing the Lord will keep you from sinning. Every moment of every waking day, even when you're sleeping, God is watching And when you have that holy fear of the Lord that no matter what I do, he knows it. He knows when you go to that self-checkout line at the Walmart. You ever been through one of those? You know, one for me, one for Walmart. One for me, one for Walmart. And you, may, you, and you can justify it. Walmart is a billion-dollar corporation. They will not miss a pack of gum. It won't break them. But see, God sees that. Gotten quiet in here. That's a good sign when you're preaching. It means you're listening or you're sleeping, one of the two. Because we ask God to bless us. And the only way God can bless us is we have to live the life that he has chosen for you and for me. So next time you go to Walmart, go to that self-checkout line, and you ring that up, and you see the other one, you go, oh, I got two of those, but it says I have one. Well, Walmart, you're out of, you're out of luck. Sorry. No. Get it corrected. And you will be blessed. And you people will, their mind, it blows their mind. You know, Linda's famous for that. Hey, they didn't charge me enough. Praise God for the tip. You know, hey, they charged us one meal. And we got two. Hallelujah. We hit the lottery. No, we're going to go fix it. Right? And that's what God wants us to do. Because he wants us to be salt and light. And when you do something like that for God, you know what? You make a difference in people's lives. They go, wow, that person really is a Christian. That person really does follow after God. I want to be just like that. And God will bless you like never before. So fear of the Lord. And what's the third and final thing that we have to do? And everybody said amen to that. We have to obey God. So you have to love God, you got to fear God, and you have to obey God. This is where it comes in. 
pretty hard sometimes. We have to obey what he calls us to do. Doing the right thing even when no one else wants to do the right thing. I tell you, I never thought the world would get as bad as it has, but it's gotten pretty bad. The world calls evil good and good evil. But no matter how bad the world gets, our job is to stand up for righteousness, to make a difference, to show the world, okay, this is how it's supposed to be. And when someone is living in sin, I usually don't point that sin out. I just go, what does the word of God say? What does the word of God say on that subject? Read it to me. Explain it to me. Enlighten me. Show me. Because my opinion doesn't matter, but God's opinion always matters. So stand up for righteousness. And the problem is, for a long time, the church has not stood up like it's supposed to. And our Churches have been silent on a lot of issues. And the world has taken our silence as a yes. Okay, you agree to that. Okay, you, you agree to that lifestyle. You, agree, you, you said that's okay. You didn't say anything negative against it, so you must agree. We have to stop doing that as a church. We have to stand up for righteousness. When we see sin, we have to point it out. And you know what? People will hate you. They will talk about you. They will throw things at you. They will get mad at you. But it makes no difference. For God is on our side. Because that's the type of Christian God wants me to be, and that's the type of Christian God wants you to be. He wants you to be holy. He wants you to be righteous. He wants you to be loving. He wants you, he wants you to show mercy when there's no mercy. He wants you to be kind to people that aren't kind to you. And as you do that, we will make a difference in this world. That's what the Christian walk's all about. Letting their light shine in such a way that men will see our good works and they'll glorify God because they'll know something's different about us. In 1933, in Germany, when Hitler became chancellor, the churches had a chance to stand up and say, no, he's not the right guy for this job. He's an evil person. But the churches stayed silent. And the rest is history. Hitler became the chancellor, became all-powerful, and millions upon millions upon millions of people died because the church did not arise. We can't let that happen in America. When we see evil, we have to cut it off. Stand up against it. In Daniel chapter 3, we know the story. And your homework for today is when you go home, read the whole chapter, Daniel chapter 3. And it's a story about the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And King Nebuchadnezzar made this huge, huge statue. And he said, here's the new law. When, when they begin to play, when the band begins to play, everybody has to bow. 
And it says, the princesses, they bowed. The governors, they bowed. The captains, they bowed. The judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the other rulers, they bowed down. They all bowed. And I'm pretty sure most of them knew this was wrong. We don't bow down. We don't worship a statue. We should stand up for, for, for God. But these three Hebrew children, they did not bow. They stood up. And I love what they said to the king. The king called them out. He said, now listen, I'm going to throw you in this fire if you don't bow. I'm going to give you another chance. Maybe you didn't quite understand the language. We know you speak Hebrew. Maybe you didn't understand what we were talking about. I'm going to give you another chance. And they said this to the king. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and we, he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve your gods nor worship the golden image. They stood up for righteousness. And I believe there's coming a day in America where we're going to have to Choose a side. And you better be on the right side. Because God, we are in his hands. And he'll either say, well done, my good and faithful servant, or depart from me, for I never knew you. That's the only thing he's going to say. Make sure you're on the right side. So how do we live a holy and just life? We love God. We're fearful of God. And we obey God. And if we'll do those three things, you'll become the Christian man and woman that God wants you to be. You'll make a difference in your home. You'll make a difference in your neighborhood. You'll make a difference on your job you will become an influencer for the world instead of the world influencing you. And let me just say this, it's not going to be easy. And you will mess up sometimes. You'll come short. You'll, you will fall on your face. But the secret is you've got to get up. Say, okay, God, I shouldn't have said those things. I shouldn't have hit that person. I shouldn't have done that. Forgive me, Lord. Put me on the right path. Walk me down that aisle, Lord. Show me how I should live. And if you do that, God will begin to use you in greater and greater areas in your life. My prayer is that we all live a holy and righteous life. And I want you to answer this question in your own heart. If they pass the law tomorrow, stating that every Christian is going to be thrown into prison. Would there be enough evidence to convict you? Or would you walk free? Only you can answer that question. So let's begin to love God, be fearful for Him, and obey Him.